Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Let's all lift our hands. Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. I'm asking that your word would shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can do. We ask that your spirit would rest in this place and soften the hearts of men and women today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Please be seated in the house of the Lord. Open your Bible, sword of the spirit. Open your Bible to Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one. I want to talk for just a minute. I I believe this is probably going to be a series. But I want to talk for just a minute about church history. And and I don't mean church history in in necessarily the last, you know, 2,000 years. I mean, I'm going to turn 40 this year. And I know exactly what you're thinking. No way. (laughs) Yeah, it's good genes. Well, why does everybody laugh when I say that? (laughs) Anyway, I've been in church my entire life. I've served God my entire life. I've had highs and lows, but I've served God my whole life. And that's a great testimony. And it comes from a family that taught me about Jesus, but didn't just teach me about Jesus. They brought Jesus home. Matter of fact, the Bible says that Whenever uh, the Israelites were delivered from Egypt, the Bible says that they, they each had to take a lamb and they had to bring the lamb into their home before they ate the lamb or before they sacrificed the lamb and the blood of the lamb was, was put on the, the doorposts. I believe one of the greatest revelations you can ever get in your life is the understanding that if you want your family to change, you're going to have to bring the lamb of God home with you. The lamb is going to have to be consumed at your dinner table. The Lamb of God is going to have to be consumed while you're on the couch or while you're, you're going for a walk in the evening. You say, well, I don't do any of those things. Well, you've got to make time for those things. You've got to figure out a way to bring the Lamb of God to the epicenter of your household. Change the entirety of the dynamics of your home to keep the Lamb of God the center of your relationships. He's the center of your marriage. He's the, cent- he's the center of how you raise your children. So I grew up in church and Uh, Matter of fact, we would go to church so often, oftentimes I didn't know that I didn't actually live at the church. We were there on Sundays, and then we were there on every other day. Matter of fact, my mom was the youth director whenever I was getting a little bit older, and so I would actually walk to church after school every day. And the pastor, if he got a wild hair and said, there's going to be a work day on Saturday, guess what? I got two brothers. There were three boys that were already committed before the sign-up sheet even came out because they were convinced that the house of God is where families need to be. Now, Jesus said it like this. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The more you will keep your family committed to the house of God, the more access you have to the place and the, and, the, and the project, if it were, that Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against. He did not say the gates of hell will not prevail against Netflix. He did not say the gates of hell will not prevail against a baseball team, a soccer team. Getting quiet now, Jake. 
He did not say the gates of hell will not prevail against uh, uh, any form of extracurricular activity. The church is God's plan to rescue the world. When Jesus said it is finished, he actually meant it. Now it's on us to tell people about him and then to experiment what he can do for people to see. To show who he is. To show that our God is powerful. So I've been in church for almost 40 years, actually 40, over 40 years because I was in church before I was born. I was, I've been in church, just church was what we did. We filled up a row at church and that was kind of the, the way of it. And I, I noticed something. I, I noticed this, this trend, if it were, and I'm not talking about any one particular place because I'm not out to, to pick on anybody or, or anything. Our vision here is super simple. If you know it, say it with me. We exist to love people and point them to Christ. That's our vision. And that's the, that's the lens that this message comes through. But you have to understand when I'm talking about church history, I'm talking a broad brush of what I believe I have seen over the last 40 years of my life. I believe that, that, that something happened and all of a sudden, we got, we decided we could outsmart the spiritual side of God. So let, let me just say it like this, because there's all kind of words in, in, in church, okay? But, but I'm going to kind of dissect churches right now, okay? It's a, this is dangerous water to walk on, but I don't care. I'm going to call one side of this line spirit-filled churches, okay? I'm going to give you a definition for that here in just a minute. I'm going to call... The other ones, you know, necessarily not spirit-filled, okay? And so, spirit-filled, the way that I'm talking about this morning, is churches that operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not talking about just a place where you can feel a goosebump. I've been in the movie theater and felt goosebumps, goosebumps. You can watch a horror movie and feel a goosebump. I'm not just talking about a place where you cry. I cried watching Old Yeller. Come on, somebody. No, Marley and me. Anybody ever seen that? Somebody should have told me. I was sitting in the movie theater. I said, I'm about to leave. I'm not even kidding. I'm not going to watch this. I stayed. You can cry anywhere you want. Something can hit you different. I left, I left the parking lot of, of the gym this week. And I know what you're thinking. I knew he worked out. I got a phone call from a friend of mine. He told me about a dream he had, and I wept for 30 minutes. The presence of God filled my dually pickup truck. And I was different. But when I'm talking about a spirit-filled church, I'm talking about a church that operates in the gifts of the Spirit. There's about nine of them. But there's... Two, but kind of one that shouldn't be, but it's extremely controversial. Of the nine gifts of the Spirit, two of them were not in existence before Jesus died and rose from the dead. The other seven existed. But tongues and the interpretation of tongues was not on the planet until after Jesus rose from the dead. I'm going to say that differently. If Jesus Christ had to be crucified, ridiculed, spit on, falsely accused, killed, descend into the depths of hell to lead captivity captive and raise victoriously from the dead for us to access a certain gift, how many of you think we ought to make that a priority? 
So the series, if this turns into a series, I'm just going to call it Why Tongues? Because there's a lot of great questions about what is tongues? Why should we have tongues? Why should we not have tongues? But in, 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 in the history of the church, maybe I'll circle back to that. But, but now I want to talk just the history of humanity, okay? In the beginning, the Bible says that God created man in his likeness and his image. We saw that in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter number 2, he formed him out of the dust of the earth. And then he filled him. He breathed the breath of life into his lungs. So he was created in Genesis chapter 1. It's like an architect draws a blueprint before you start moving dirt. It all happened in the mind of God. He was created. Just like if you're going to do any kind of project, first thing you do is you got to think it through. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's where I'm going to put the two by four. Here's where I'm going to nail the uh, hammer the nail. Here's where I'm going to do this. You think it through. You're creating it, and then you form it later. So in Genesis 2, he formed him out of the dust of the earth. One loose translation indicates that the Shekinah glory of God shined over Jesus, and literally he saw his shadow, and he formed him out of his shadow, out of the dust, stood mankind up, and there was man. I would say man was born right then. But then, somebody say then. The Bible says that God breathed the breath of life in him. That's the Holy Spirit. If you want to freak people out, that's the Holy Ghost. People don't like the word Holy Ghost. They're okay with the word demon. They're okay with a television show with a bunch of morons walking around with infrared cameras trying to find an orb. But you say the word Holy Ghost, everybody's like, oh, oh, Everybody starts to get uncomfortable. Even, some, even a lot of Christians get uncomfortable. Skin starts to crawl. But the Bible says that he formed him, stood him up, and then he breathed the breath of life in him. Now, of your life, there's only really a handful, I'm going to call it four this morning, eternity-altering moments. I'm going to walk you through them. Matter of fact, if, you, if you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, start taking notes. How are you going to remember anything? The Bible says, write the vision, make it plain. The first event that changed your life was creation. You're not here without creation. One of the biggest problems with people that put God in a box is they think they made him. You didn't make God. God made you. Remember Genesis 2 talks about forming. The Bible says before he formed you in his mother's in your mother's womb, he knew you. That means you were created before you were formed. Same thing, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. So the Bible says that, that, that mankind was, was stood up and then the breath of God came and he was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So you have a sinless man, pow, sinless humanity, pow, standing there, Adam, and, 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 and all the, the, the glory of the presence of God with God dwelling on the inside of him. And then one chapter later, he couldn't make two chapters, one chapter later, sin. So can I just say it differently? So far, we have two eternity-altering moments that have affected you. The first one is creation. Let's call it the filling. The second one is the staining. See, you've been blotted with the shame and the stain of sin. The Bible says everybody born after Adam was born into sin. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no atonement. There is no cleansing. There is no alteration to your condition without the shedding of blood. Now, certainly all kind of things happen uh, through the Old Testament. You, you know, Noah and the ark, we can throw that in there because it's like, you know what? 
That was kind of a big deal. We could talk about the Ten Commandments, also a big deal. But, but here's the reality. Life and death happened whenever he was formed, filled, and all of a sudden sinned. Now all of a sudden you have life and death one chapter apart. Then you have this beautiful rescue plan that's laid out that God is making sure that every I is dotted and every T is crossed and he's making sure it comes to pass and then all of a sudden this man, this son of God, this son of man, Jesus Christ comes on the scene. He was born to a virgin because the only way her womb could hold something pure is the womb had to not be marked by man first. The reason he couldn't be born to an earthly father is because you are the seed of your father. In other words, everybody born after Adam was born in sin. Therefore, when you recreate, you recreate what you are. The only way that Jesus could actually be an op, could actually have the opportunity to redeem you and me was to be perfect. Therefore, he could only be the son of the father in heaven, occupying a sinless womb. Only to be delivered through the door that every person that is alive today has passed through the womb of a woman. Jesus, the Bible says, is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, but he constantly referred to himself as the son of man. The reason he calls himself the son of man is because in Genesis 1 and 2, God was explicit that he gave dominion and authority to man. Mankind has a role to play in this thing. So the first eternity-altering event for you was creation. That's where mankind was filled with the Spirit of God. Then all of a sudden, the next thing that drastically affected you and drastically altered eternity is sin entered humanity. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit can no longer dwell in a place that was stained because if you take a a, a cup and you make make the inside dirty, if you pour clean water in it, the water's no longer clean. The Holy Spirit must reside in a clean vessel. So the first two... The first two eternity-altering events was the creation where mankind was filled. Then there was the, the staining, if it were, where the Holy Spirit left. And then all of a sudden, there was the great cleansing that took place on Calvary's cross. The Bible says the blood of Jesus washes our sins away. Though we were dead in our trespasses, now we live. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The scripture even says, if you have a vessel, you don't wash the outside first. You wash the inside first. The first thing that happens when you get born again is the inside of you is scrubbed clean as a whistle by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, all of a sudden, you are a candidate, effectively. Now, all of a sudden, you have the legal right to have the Spirit of God dwell on the inside of you. Acts chapter number two. The Bible says that there came a sound from heaven like a rushing... Let me just say this real quick. Commercial break. I really appreciate the attention this morning. Don't ever come to church and give the word of God the same attention that you give a newscaster or a television show. The Bible has the words to life in it. And if you get it on the inside of you, you can walk out of a service just like this and never be the same. 
So Jesus cleans us. Now we're a candidate. In Acts chapter number two, the Bible said there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. The Bible says that literally cloven tongues of fire, let's just say fire rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues and and prophesy. Let, let, Let me just tell you what happened. You have the initial filling, you have the staining, you have the cleansing, and now the filling again. To put us right back. If you want to know the will of God, you read Genesis 1 and 2. That's the will of God. Genesis 3 is when man began to drop the ball. Now, don't blame Adam and Eve, because trust me, if they hadn't done it, Jake would have done it. (laughs) Filling, staining, cleansing, filling. Next chapter number 1. The scripture says, verse four, no, verse three, Jesus showed himself alive after his passion. That was his crucifixion. That was the suffering by many infallible proofs being seen of them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Everybody say kingdom. Kingdom. You can't understand anything if you don't get a revelation on kingdom. The kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, that's Jesus with them, commanded them. Somebody say command. If Jesus commands something, how many of you think it's important? He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, says he, you have heard of me. You've Heard this from me. I've taught you about this moment. That's what he's saying. For John baptized with water, but you, somebody say me, me, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence or not many days from now. A couple of things. I want to unpack it real quick. He said, do not depart Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. All through the Gospels, he made references like this. When I go, I will send a comforter. When I go, I will send the Holy Spirit. Now, everybody understands. I don't think it's a big uh, a legal uh, problem to say that Jesus lives in your heart. But the Bible says that Jesus is seated next to the right hand of the Father. Do I say Jesus is in my heart? Absolutely. Do I think it bothers any, anybody in the Godhead to say that? Absolutely not. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But the Bible says that the Father is on a throne in heaven, that the Son is seated next next to him making intercession for you and me, preparing a place for us to go. And the fact that he went there means that he could actually dispatch the Holy Spirit to fill humanity as humanity was once filled in the original plan of God. So what happens is... If we try to fight without this infilling, we are literally like a plumber showing up to a job site without a wrench. We might know what to do, but we don't have the tools to do what to do. So what happens is humanity is sitting here starving for the reality of the power of God. And it has been relegated to a discussion instead of an experiment. 
instead of a, an operation. People of, of any background are totally good talking about the Holy Spirit as long as you're talking about it from a theoretical standpoint. The minute you start talking about the Holy Spirit moving in you or in somebody else, now that's when people start getting weird. Because most people, especially Christians in, in churches that do not uh, uh, run this route, if it were, most Christians run away from it because they don't understand it. A lot of times they don't understand it because they don't press towards it, but sometimes they don't understand it because all they do is parrot what somebody else told them it is. So somebody tells you this doesn't exist anymore, regardless of what Bible verse you read, you still don't you you still forget about what the Bible verse says and you're you're locked into this. That's what that's called a stronghold in your mind. It's a it's a place that has no access. A stronghold. It's a place where you refuse to believe something that you're reading because somebody that you respect or somebody that somebody told you to respect said something different. And now we have a form of godliness, but we are denying the power. Somebody say power. The power thereof. In Acts chapter number two, when the, when the 120 disciples that were in the upper room received the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that Peter jumped up and started preaching. The Bible says the day that he started preaching, he said, this is that. This is what the prophet talked about. He said that the Spirit of God would be poured out on our sons and daughters and everybody would prophesy, oh my goodness gracious, give your life to Jesus and let's all be baptized and serve God. And 3,000 people were added to the kingdom that day. Now, that's not easy to do without a microphone. 3,000 people not only heard, they must have seen something. This is the same guy who wouldn't even stand up for Jesus when a little damsel, a little lady warming herself by a fire said, don't you know Jesus? He's like, bleep, 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 bleep. No, I don't know him. This is, this is literally like 51 days prior, 50, 53 days prior, he is turning his back on Jesus because he doesn't want to be killed. And now the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes. The Spirit of God fills him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And he said, he said, I don't even love my life unto death anymore. This is what he's been talking about. That's because something changed in him. Something broke out. We're not going to win the world trying to argue with the world. Some of you can't even argue like, 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 uh, you know, the, the price of cereal at the grocery store. You wouldn't know how to start a negotiation. You can't negotiate people into heaven. You got to show up with some power. And sometimes the power is the boldness that can only be explained by a God who is residing in you, filling your veins and filling your mouth with words. I'm talking about the power of God coming on your life. I grew up a Christian, but I didn't get the baptism of the Holy Spirit until I was 18 or 19 years old. And I've never been the same since. I don't mean kind of different. I mean, I had some people say, man, I don't even recognize you. Like physically. I said, man, I'm different. I don't know about you, but I'm different. Back to church history for a moment. So you got like, 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 like spirit-filled churches, put them in a pile. God bless all spirit-filled churches. Got churches that just neglect it, decide not to teach it. And if you teach it, we're not going to do it. 
They might even know it. I know pastors that pray in tongues in their office but won't teach it from the pulpit. They relegate it to this little category, that little category. And then you got spirit-filled churches that say, man, we want the presence of God even because of our reputation. We want the power of God. We want the, want the things of God. Yeah, but if we teach that, it's going to offend some people. Tell me one place in the Bible where Jesus talks about not offending anybody with the gospel. I mean, we shouldn't like be spitting in people's faces. That's ridiculous. But the gospel is the gospel. And here, here's what I see. And I'm not talking about any place. I'm just going to tell you what I see. What I see, okay? Because I'm a product of a bunch of firebrands. I got, I, got I got a grandfather and a grandmother in heaven right now. Two sets. Served God all their life. I got one grandfather who was a pastor for about 50, 60 years. And to his dying breath, he was celebrating the things of God. And my concern, because again, I wasn't necessarily alive during all these guys and gals' heydays, but think about Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagin, Lester Summerall, the late Fred Price. walked up on a platform says that's what the book says if you don't like it that's your problem but this is what the Bible says I've seen it I've benefited from it and I'll continue to walk in it and now again I say this with as much reverence as I can we've gotten so smart that we say we invite the Holy Spirit in but we tell them to stand in the corner and don't be heard. I don't want to do something I can do. I want to do something I can't do. How many parties would you go to if somebody said, hey, come to our party, we love you so much, but I want you to stand in the corner and shut up. Hey, hey, come to my house. Oh, awesome, praise the Lord. I got invited to a dinner one time. I was invited three times in one week. I got there and there wasn't a chair for me and my family. Guess where I've never been? Again. I wasn't mad at him. I just, hey, you want to invite me? You better have a place for me. You want to invite the Holy Ghost? You better make room for him. And you don't get to determine the language he speaks. You don't get to determine how he moves. You're not God. He's God. So what we have is a bunch of these, bunch of churches that have realized, you know, if we just don't talk about this stuff, then everybody would just stay nice and comfortable. Let me tell you how I hear that. If we just don't talk about this stuff, if we just don't talk about this stuff, then we'll leave everybody ill-equipped. I know that our church is going to grow. And I know, and I, I don't say this lightly. As a matter of fact, I probably haven't said this twice from the pulpit. I don't know if I've ever said this from the pulpit, but this is one thing I know. This is an international kingdom move right here. 
That's what's coming. I'm not rushing it because I made some agreements with God for the first 10 years of our church. I made some very strong agreements and he's held to those. And I thank him for that. Because you can't build, you can't build a skyscraper unless your foundation is strong. We can't be having people flying their sick relatives in from India and we have no foundation for them to stand on. We can't have ministers coming here to to understand the the power of the kingdom of God and the revelation of the kingdom of God. We can't have them coming and getting that if there's no foundation for them to stand on. We can't have people come in here and say, here, let me just teach you another tactic so you can increase your attendance by 3%. You want to turn me off? Start talking percentages within five seconds of me meeting you. I could give two foots about that. I want to know, did God move? Who got saved? Was anybody healed? Did anybody get delivered? Did the Holy Spirit fill anybody? I don't know how popular this is. Well, I know exactly how popular it is with the world. The world believes in demons, Bigfoot, and ghosts on camera more than it believes in the Holy Spirit. But I'm not talking to the world. When it comes to the church... The church has to stop relegating which scriptures we're going to teach and believe. And if somebody doesn't believe it, hey, that's their prerogative. But I'm not going to leave somebody thirsty that is dying of thirst because somebody else has their mouth closed. So here here, here we go. He said he commanded them to wait. How long? Until they were filled. Maybe you've prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've even asked God for the Holy Spirit. And it didn't happen. I'm very hesitant to use terminology like that, but just for the sake of understanding. That was not the opportunity for you to quit pressing. The Bible says you don't leave that position until you've been filled. We got so cute. We got so smart. We're not going to... We might even talk about it but we're not going to do it. I know a scripture like that. It's don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers. If you believe something and don't do it, I question whether or not you believe it. I'm not the judge, but I question it. If you tell me you believe cigarettes will kill you and you smoke them, there's only two options. Either you want to die or you don't believe what you said. If you say you believe seatbelts will save your life and you don't wear one, either you want to die or you don't believe what you said. If the things of the Spirit are real, then there should be, there should be an exhibit of that. The Holy Spirit, I don't have time now, but I'm going to teach over the next week or two about all the incredible benefits of the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit. Did you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The scripture doesn't say your spirit is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because your spirit already agrees with God. Your body. What's your body? That's the thing that was cleansed. Who you are. Your soul. Everything about you. Your mind, your will, your emotion. Now all of a sudden, that that is the location that the Holy Spirit can now legally dwell in. That could not happen before. Four four main events. We were filled. Mankind was stained. Mankind was cleaned. And now we got an opportunity to be filled again. But you got to decide to be filled. 
There's a big difference between an evil spirit and a Holy Spirit. Y'all lock him with me another, another two minutes. Thank you, Lord. I need your presence right now, Lord. I really do. An evil spirit wants to possess you and make you do something. How many times do we see in the Bible where an evil spirit would possess somebody and would throw them in the fire, make them yell out crazy things, they'd foam at the mouth. It's possession, it's control. The Holy Spirit's nothing like that. The Holy Spirit wants to work with you, but needs you to yield to him. He doesn't take the reins of your life, but he will gladly drive if you will hand him the wheel. He doesn't force you to do it. Matter of fact, the, the, the speaking in other tongues is a gift, the Bible says. A gift at its very center of what a gift is makes you love the one who gave it. That's why you give a gift. It's because you love somebody and it makes that person love you. So if your gift is turning people away from God, I question when you use it. If you're using your gift as some kind of a status symbol, I question whether or not your gift is making somebody love God more. But if your gift is flowing in congruence with what the Word says, and all of a sudden, your entire heart begins to open up because now when you pray in tongues, you pray the perfect will of God, the Bible says. Who would not want to pray the perfect will of God? You know how many times you have to go through your life going, if I knew what to pray, I'd be praying it. Pray in the Holy Spirit. You know exactly what to pray. I literally, it's not an exaggeration, I pray in tongues far more than I pray in English. Because I can do it all the time. When I'm driving, I'm just praying in tongues. Blah, 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 blah. It's not me praying in tongues. This is me. Example. A lot of times I'll just say, you know, I'm going to pray in tongues until I pass this place. Did you know when you pray in tongues, it comes out of your spirit, not your mind? You can write an email while you're praying in tongues. I have conversations all day long praying in tongues. The other person has no idea I'm praying in tongues. I'm hearing everything they're saying. I'm digesting everything they're saying, but I'm praying the perfect will of God at the same time. Because your mind is not doing it. Your spirit's doing it. Your mind is what stops it. That's why a lot of people, they ask God to be filled. But their mind gets in the way. Because instead of yielding, they think God's going to give them six paragraphs that they're going to be able to enunciate clearly. No, it's, it's, it's groanings and utterances. That's how it starts, especially. And then like any kid, you know, you start teaching your kid to talk. Like, I don't know. 18 months old. I think our son started talking when he was nine. (laughs) He's sitting right here. Kids start talking. They don't get like every word day one. First thing they, you know, all three of my kids said was dad, dad. I think. But then you build from there. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a, a... there's going to be something stir up on the inside of you. Sometimes it feels like physical something in your stomach, but I'm telling you, every time it will require faith for you to operate in it. Every time. Especially that initial infilling. But if you're walking around and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, 
I'm just going to tell you, I don't mean this disrespectful, you're walking around without all the tools God said you could have. You're walking around in, in a lot of areas powerless in places that he said you could have power. Maybe you're of the persuasion, you know what, when you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm sure there's an element of God that's in you, I guess, when you get saved. But let me just give you one example. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead and the disciples believed it, were they or were they not saved? They were saved. But it wasn't. It was, it was 50 days later, give or take, that they received the Holy Spirit. Here's another one. In Acts chapter 19, the Bible says that Paul walks up to Ephesus and he asks them this question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So they believed. How many of you know the Bible that says if you believe with your heart, confess with your mouth, you were saved? So they were saved. You know what they said? Matter of fact, can you throw that up there? Acts chapter number 19, I believe it's going to be around verse 1. Acts chapter number 19. Came to pass when when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast of Ephesus, found certain disciples. Verse 2, please. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And they said unto him, listen to this. We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. There are things that many believers are not walking in because pulpits don't teach it. It didn't say we haven't got the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's not on the planet and available. It says we haven't heard. That's why it says, like, he, he chose through the foolishness of preaching for these things to come out. But you got to be taught. You got to hear it. You got to know it. But if somebody taught you being saved is it, I'm sorry, they're wrong. And I can give you at least three other examples where people were saved clearly, but they were not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, where the church lost its power is whenever we stopped emphasizing this and we started emphasizing comfort. But I found there's a world's version of comfort. Comfort in the world's version is when the fence is painted, the grass is mowed, all the bills are paid, all the kids are sitting there. That's the world's version of comfort. Everything's hunky-dory. Lifestyle looks like leave it to beaver. That's the world's version of comfort. But that's not Jesus' version of comfort. Jesus told the disciples, you guys are going to have to give your life for me. You know that, but don't worry about it. I'm going to send you somebody. Who do you say? I'm going to send you the comforter. See, kingdom comfort doesn't mean there's nothing wrong. Kingdom comfort means while I'm in the fire, Jesus walks around with me. Kingdom comfort means doesn't mean I don't go in the lion's den. It means there's an angel sitting there shutting the mouths of the lions so I can take a nap. Kingdom comfort doesn't mean I'm not going to fight the, the giant. It means, it means the Lord of angel armies goes with me. Kingdom comfort doesn't mean I'm not going to die. Kingdom comfort means I count it all joy to be a partaker of the sufferings of Christ. Well, what changed? I'll tell you what changed. The Holy Spirit began to infill people from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And they did not love their life even unto death. This is the void in the church. We want to explain everything. 
we want to we want to make sure everything is absolutely perfect. And here's a life group for you if you don't speak in tongues and you won't be weirded out. And here's one for all the tongue talkers. Y'all come over here instead of saying this is the Bible, believe it or don't. But we're not going to stop teaching it. We're not going to stop. Uh, uh, walking and flowing in the power of God just because it upsets some people. And I'm not here to upset anybody. The last thing I would ever want to do is upset somebody. But I refuse to upset God. I refuse to be so sensitive to everybody else that I'm not sensitive to the one who set me free. I'm not what I used to be. And I don't say that lightly. I was a Christian. I could 100% understand and even empathize with Peter in a situation where you wanted to do that thing, but something on the inside of you wasn't there and you didn't have the goods to follow through with what you said. And then the power of God hit me. And when I say the power, I mean the power. I'm laying on the floor, shaking like I'm dying. And the truth is a part of me did die that day. I stood up prayed a prayer and all of a sudden I was able to pray in a language I'd never heard doesn't sound like a language to me sound like gobbledygook while I'm doing it God shows me a picture look like a Polaroid picture in my head of Crystal and I prophesied where she lived I'd never met her several other things I prophesied some have come to pass some are still coming to pass but I remember this was not Spoken of as if it was optional. Acts chapter 1. He commanded them. Why do we teach Jesus' commandments as if they're options? You can't fight the devil without the tools God gives you. You can go to heaven. You'll just be a punching bag till you get there. I prefer to bring the fight to him. Filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget, two or three people said to me, so you listen to me. And I'm just like, I'll listen to anybody that serves Jesus. That's the other problem. We respect news anchors more than we respect men and women of God. We put, depending on your bend, Anderson Cooper on a pedestal, but then you'll talk about Joel Osteen before you get out of work. You'll put, you'll put, Sean Hannity on a pedestal as if he's the second coming. And then you'll run down T.D. Jakes because you didn't like his last book. The world is out of whack. We got to have a church that just stands up and says, you know, we're going to be the church. We're going to preach the word. We're going to teach the word. And we're going to demonstrate the word. And we're not going to have any worries about what somebody else says about it. I, I, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody said to me, you listen to me. I I listen. I'm going to get to that point, but you can't walk into a place like this and act like you know it. Even even what you know can be built on. Don't come in here. Somebody says Acts chapter 1 and just roll your eyes back. I already know Acts chapter 1. That's where Revelation dies. You can't be taught anything. You know everything. That's called religion. It's a strong hold. Your mind won't change. You just get stuck. And then you, then you watch guys like Jake and me just flourish and thrive. And we're just going from glory to glory. And you're just stuck in that same garbage you were in for you. This region is so riddled with a bunch of confused garbage. It makes me sick to my stomach. I'm so sick 
of this. I'm okay. You're okay. We're okay. That's baloney. Serve God or leave him. Serve God or leave him. But stop giving Christians a reputation that we're not different. We are different. We don't pray the same. Our God is not Allah. Our God is not Buddha. We are not the same. Don't act like it. Don't walk like it. Don't talk like it. Jesus said they hated me. They're going to hate you. If you're not hated, are you even in him? If somebody doesn't come to you and say, man, I just don't understand it. That's so weird to me. Of course it's weird. It's very peculiar to speak in tongues. But he said, you're a peculiar people. You're not a normal people. What do you want to be normal? Why do you want to be normal? Why would you ever want to be normal? I'd rather have three people baptized in the Holy Ghost than 300 that refuse to believe it. These men said to me, they said, now you listen to me, I'm listening. Anything they said, I would have done. Anything they said, I don't mean that lightly. Anything they said, I would have done. That's why it's so important who you listen to. They said, you pray in the Holy Spirit every day. Every day of your life, you pray in the Holy Spirit. Never stop praying in tongues. It won't always feel like you feel right now. Every day of the world, pray in the Holy Spirit. I said, I will do that. I said, read your Bible every day. I said, I'll read my Bible. I already was. I said, read your Bible every day. I said, I'll read my Bible every day. But now I went from reading it from guilt to reading it because I fell in love with it. But if you're walking around and you don't have this power, for any age, by the way, all three of my children are baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was fortunate enough to be there with all three. All three of them happened very, very young. There's no child that's too young to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jake's son, Ezekiel Malachi, is four. He's four. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit just a couple weeks ago. You can't convince a four-year-old. Something happens. It could be 84, 85, 105. It doesn't come through your mind. He resides inside of you. And then instead of like a demon that wants to control you, you have to yield to him. And that's where that gift flows. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.